0: Father, we want to ask you, please, to speak to us through your Holy Spirit and take this ancient story and use it to grow our trust and our confidence and our joy in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 to 22. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people round by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart. From before the people, well, we're going to be understanding what that means. But uh, our children are going to go out and learn in their little group uh, from the Bible, and wonderfully, Hannah's going to teach them. So, uh, if you're hmm? so if you're primary age, then uh, head for the door, and um, I hope there'll be room for you as you crowd into your uh, little learning room in the flat so um, yeah I think with the numbers I think Natalie's going out too so uh, that leaves the rest of us uh, looking very old and haggard <laughs> compared to uh, the young blood that's just gone um, great especially you Georgina don't think, you're, don't think you're looking any younger than the rest of us <laughs> Now then, am I right in saying that uh, everybody loves a good film? And uh, especially uh, if uh, you live in this country, uh, you'd love a good war film. Because every time Germany stuff us at football, we can turn on a war film. And uh, see how uh, once there was a time when uh, we actually uh, beat them. But uh, there's a war film called The Great Escape. I was looking for it in Farsi. You can't find it in Farsi, uh, but you can find it. You can watch it on the, on the screen. learn English while you're doing it. Uh, but it's a very big film. It's a true film about an escape that happened in 1943 and prisoners who were there wrote about it and then they made this film. Uh, and it's pretty much true uh, and half the film Well, let me tell you, the story of the film is how uh, people, officers, uh, on uh, our side of the war, um, they were good officers. When they got captured, uh, they were also good at escaping. So what the Germans did was they took the best officers who were good at escaping and they put them into one camp. And it was a high-security camp. No one was going to escape from there. And the first half of the film, But it's hard. These officers, of course, if they're good at escaping and you put them all together, what do they do? They all plan together how to escape. So the first half of the film is about how they planned to escape. And they dug three tunnels called Tom, Dick and Harry. And half the film is about how they planned the escape. And then uh, lots of them did escape. And they left the camp. And uh, the Germans were very uh, ashamed that their high security cap lost all these prisoners. But in the second half of the film, you see how the Germans went after them. And they virtually got all of them back, captured or killed. And uh, that's a true story. Uh, Not quite true, because uh, the Americans who made the film, they gave themselves a big part, actually, in the great escape itself. The Americans hardly did anything uh, but they made the film so they get the credit uh, and Steve McQueen rode a motorbike and it's a fantastic action film and apart from the Americans it's really good so uh, that's the story of the film okay it showed you these people escaping but the trouble is they didn't go far it shows the big difference between getting out and getting home And this part of the Bible is actually about a great escape. And if you know the story so far, well, chapter uh, chapter 13, verse 17 tells you, Pharaoh let the people go. But what happened was that uh, the people of uh, Egypt, uh, the people of God in Egypt were slaves. And Pharaoh kept them in a high security, uh, no escape uh, lock and a grip on them. So uh, they had nowhere to go. But God broke Pharaoh in the previous chapter, in chapter 12. And now, at last, they've been able to get out. That, that is why it says uh, Pharaoh let the people go. And let me tell you, at this stage of the story everything is going well. They've escaped and the slaves are now on top and they asked their neighbors to hand over all their gold and their silver and their jewelry in chapter 12 verse 35 if you have a look at the bottom of page 54 uh, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them for they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry for clothing and the Lord had given people favor inside the Egyptians, so they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. That's what victorious armies do when they come and conquer. They take everybody's gold and jewelry off them. And that's what the Egyptians did. They realized that uh, the children of God were uh, a conquering force, that their God was so large, they didn't want to get in the way. And so they just simply gave them whatever they asked for. And the slave days are well and truly over. They've finally got out. But they are very, very long way from home. The home that God had promised them. A country that was flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a picture of a brand new world that was working perfectly to produce that kind of uh, wonderful harvest and then in Exodus chapter 13 we see why this escape is going to work unlike the escape from the war film where most people didn't get far this escape yeah they're going to get home for two reasons and we're going to see that in Exodus chapter 13 reason one is because God had promised reason two is because God would be present with them every step of the way. We'll see that as we go along. First, reason one, God has promised. Now you see that in uh, chapter 13, and it's said twice to really give it some emphasis, in verse 5, chapter 13, verse 5, at the bottom of page 55, And when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you should keep this service in this month. And then again in verse 11, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers, and he shall give it to you it's a sworn promise that God makes to his people you will get to my home the trouble is these are weak people and he knows they're weak people if you look at verse 17 he knows that uh, you can't go from being slaves to soldiers overnight and so he does what I do whenever I take my family out on a walk. I take them the long way. <laughs> it's just that God does it intentionally. He doesn't get lost, but uh, I remember once my son, he got so fed up with me getting lost when uh, my wife and I were walking on a hill with him that he just left us. He had no map, he had nothing, but he had every confidence that he would get, he would get to the car before we did. I wasn't going to say that bit (laughs) so God knows they're weak and he takes them away from a battle now I know they look like they're ready for a battle if you look at verse 18 uh, the people of Israel went up out the land equipped for battle but God keeps them from battle they're not ready just yet And it's not just a long route that they're going on to avoid the battle. It's actually a really tough route. I know when we think about traveling through Egypt, we think of how we might do it, but this is really not a tour around the pyramids in an air-conditioned coach. It's a long-distance walk through sandstorms, through feeling absolutely dehydrated, not knowing whether you can take the next step. And God knows their weakness, and God knows their hardship, and yet He has made to weak people a sworn promise that He will get them there. And that's why they will. And so, very interestingly, we are told, at this stage of the story, you might think it's a bit strange, but we are told, if you look at verse 18, they're carrying a coffin with them. Uh, Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Why tell us that here? They're all going out of Egypt, you can see. But now why do you tell them that actually that they're carrying a coffin while they go? Because... The person who's writing this wants us to know what it's like when someone really trusts God's promise. And you want to know who this person Joseph is. Where Joseph is actually the reason why they're in Egypt in the first place. What happened was that Joseph came to Egypt as a slave, but then in the end he wound up as the prime minister of the country. and during seven years of famine joseph organized things so well that the country had enough food not only enough food for the country but joseph got his whole family to come and live in egypt with him where he could look after them as well now joseph had everything he's the prime minister he's right on top and yet he never thought of egypt as his home so when he got to the end of his life i just wonder if you could just keep one finger on page 55 And just turn back the the last, just a couple of pages to the last book. Genesis chapter 50. And um, in verses 24 to 26, Joseph remembered what God had promised. God had promised there would be a new country. And so he says, When I die, you've got to take me. Look at verse. 24 to 26 Joseph said to his brothers this is Genesis chapter 50 I'm about to die but God will visit you and bring you up out this land to the land he swore to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear saying God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here and so Joseph died after saying that and now they're taking their bones. They're going off to their new country and they're taking the coffin with them. And Joseph becomes a brilliant example in the middle of this story and actually for all time through the Bible of someone who says, hey, you want to see what a person looks like when they really trust God's promise about the future? You want to know what a person's like that is like? Well, look at this man Joseph. And you see him again at the other end of the Bible, um, in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Abraham is, uh, is, uh, is, is in, the, in the Persian Bible. Hebrews in our Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. Hey, why don't you turn to it? It's on page 1008. Page 1008. And... Um, you see Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22 by faith Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. That's another way of saying this is a guy who really trusted God to keep his promises. If he tells you something like that, he certainly is never going to lie to you. This is legit. This is going to happen. And therefore, my friends, if I can put it like this, this is the only way to live the Christian life. Absolutely trust God to keep his promises. Because it's true, the Christian life is a long road. It's true, it is a tough road. It's true, we are weak people. But this is a God who can get weak people there. And His promises you can trust. And weak people, like you and me, will get home. So, my friends, If you want to be a person, the way the Bible wants us to be, a person of faith as it's called, be like Joseph. Don't trust that this is it, that this is your home. Just a a little while longer maybe, but he's put a new country in front of you. And he knows we're weak and he knows he'll keep us from challenges that we're not ready for. But let me tell you, he has given us, sworn by an oath that he will give us a land flowing with milk and honey. As I said, it's a description of the new creation that is so wonderful. So simply, fully, wonderfully, trust that promise big time and stick it in as your largest uh, goal in front of you, in terms of thinking through uh, and anticipating the future, there is God's promise. That's the first point. The second point is that is also God's presence. He doesn't just simply swear an oath and say, "Right, uh, I'm going to get you there. See you there at the other end. You'll make it. Don't worry." He travels with them every step of the way. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And verse 22 is such a brilliant comfort, isn't it? The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. God just doesn't go away from his people. Now remember what we learnt last week. The Bible doesn't just tell us ancient stories to give us an interesting history lesson. When the Bible tells us about the past, it has one thing in its mind, and that is to draw you into the story. So that actually, we become a part of uh, God's people. And uh, the Bible tells us these things not as a yesteryear, long ago event. But the Christian life is described as a journey from the time that the Lamb died, in other words, uh, the Lamb in, 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 um, in, in chapter 12 died at the start of their journey, so they could then start uh, uh, following God through the wilderness, and... And we know the lamb is uh, a foretaste of uh, Jesus. So that's the start of the journey, Jesus dying on the cross. We know the end of the journey is uh, the promised land that God has uh, put in front of us, the new creation. And in between the Christian life is lived a journey from the start point, leaving the the, the place of slavery and uh, it's lived here before we enter the promised land. And so the Christian life We are drawn into the story. We are, if you like, in the desert, following God along with his people um, as they uh, begin their walk home. So we're drawn into the story, and the story is there to teach us that we have a God who really cannot bear to be away from his people. Next time you saw that, for real, was when you had Jesus living with his people and it shows you once again God loves being with his people. He just won't let them carry on on their own. But at the end of Jesus' life he said, as Hannah I think reminded us, uh, at the end uh, in Matthew 28 he said he was going to leave them but nonetheless he would be with them even to the end of the age. He's not going far he would be there. Now, the way that worked out, if you read on following what Jesus said, you discover that uh, Jesus continued to be with his people, but this time you couldn't see him. It would be invisible. And that would be how he would be with his people, through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And so that's how uh, the bible tells us god leads us today and it's really interesting if you could again keep a finger in exodus chapter in page seven and go to romans uh which is on page well i get you that page 944 page 944 and you go to romans and it's very interesting to see between Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 8, you see the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans telling you how it's actually quite like the story of the Exodus. So in chapter 6, he says how we were slaves to sin. In chapter 7, Paul talks about how we are no longer needing to follow our old master which is the law laid down in the Old Testament. And then in chapter 8, he says the new thing that uh, Christians have. And uh, when they follow God, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, uh, we'll tell you on page 944, right at the bottom page 944, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That's what's happening here, you see. Uh, The people of Israel are called God's Son. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, they are called God's Son. And God leads his Son. And now, in the New Testament, uh, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And you might say, well, what does that mean? You see, we, we don't need to see a visual Satnav, God taking us, because He's not taking us all into a, a new location. There is a different destination that God is taking us to. Yes, He's taking us into His new creation but he's taking us into his new creation to be with himself, to be with his son. And therefore the Holy Spirit is there every step of the way, invisibly, we can't see, but he seriously is present with us every day to turn us into people who live like the Lord Jesus. That's his game plan. And so... Our journey can be described as Jesus learning. Every day God will lead his people. If you are one of his children, then every day God will lead us into different situations to be a new people who become more and more like him, learn to react like him, learn to relate like him, learn to serve like Him. And that is what God does when He leads people by His Spirit. If you're a Christian, He would have done that with you today, He will do that with you tomorrow. And He will not be a day away from you where He isn't doing that. So, how do we take this home when we leave? Well, I'm going to suggest three different groups of people might just listen to this in three different ways. First, if you're someone who's brand new to Christianity, fantastic that our people are coming to our church. who have never really thought seriously about Jesus before. And they're beginning to say, okay, well, what's it all about? Well, please, look at this part of the Bible, realise that Christianity is not you becoming a nice person so God will be happy with you. That's not what Christianity is about, although everybody thinks it is. Christianity is about putting your trust in a God who swears an oath to give his people a new uh, country, a new future, a new creation. In order that we might live with him. And therefore, my friends, uh, if you want a, a new hero, well, remember Joseph. Uh, he wouldn't see this life as his own. Even though he was the top and had everything, uh, look, take me home. And uh, while we're heading out, we need to live with a new confidence. That God will never leave you but will always be leading you into being a Jesus learner, or in other words, a disciple, in different situations that God puts you in. He'll be turning the dials tomorrow to put you in situations just to shape you into Jesus, likeness that little bit more. If you're someone who's familiar with church, and there are people also around who, who've been to church services before. Um, and uh, I, I grew up going to church, um, because I went to a school that made me, but uh, I wasn't Christian. Uh, and lots of people like that go to church and aren't really Christians. Um, and it is just uh, really helpful for us to see how... It is possible, isn't it, for a lot of church people to think, that somehow God is especially there when there's a church service going on. Now, it's true that a service like this gives us a great chance and opportunity to find out what God has promised us. I don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying this isn't important. I'm just saying we need to take this part of the Bible seriously and say actually God's going to be with us tomorrow and the day after and the day after that it's never just in church because God has a a, a determined game plan to lead us invisibly but in different ways to make us like his son Christianity is never a Sunday thing it is always a Jesus learning thing which goes on with God being there in our lives every single day or it may be that uh, you're someone who is uh, a real believer and you're excited about the rescue that God has won for us through Jesus but you, if you're honest like uh, uh, most of us I guess and and we know our weaknesses and certainly I know mine and we're very aware of uh, how doddery we are On our Christian feet. And we know there might be some big battles for us in the future. And we wonder if we'll survive. If we're people who will follow Jesus to the end. Maybe it's just going to be too hard, we'll pack it in. Well, please will you remember that God has sworn on oath. Not just to rescue his people, to get them out, but to get them home. And all the battles that you will have in front of you, God doesn't always lead us away from battles. There are times when we have to go through uh, the tough times, the uh, combat times too. But in those battles ahead, he will be there right with you, in front of you, leading you into more and more Jesus learning in every one of those tough opportunities. That's what he will do. He's never going to stop working on that with you. And I don't think there's a greater encouragement for us to go into the new week than to realize that God is going to be there. And this is what he'll be doing with each of us in this coming week. And it's a wonderful uh, discovery that we make from the old part of the Bible that this is how God works today. But let's stop there and uh, maybe just in one minute we'll go quiet and you go prayerful. In other words, you just talk to God in, without making a noise, just in yourself. Just talk to God about what you've heard. Maybe you're someone who's new. And uh, you want to go and talk to God and say, God, please will you make a promise to get me into your kingdom, into this future, uh, where I can be with you. Ask him to bring that promise and to bring you into it and to change you to be like his son. Maybe even someone who's new, that would be a great way to talk to God tonight. Maybe if you're someone who's been to church before, say, God, I'm really sorry that I've been just locked up and um, just not into uh, Christianity much more than occasionally going on Sundays. Please help me to be faithful to you, just as you are faithful to me. Not just being with your people on Sundays, but wanting to be changed into your likeness through the week as well. Never want this to be a Sunday thing anymore. And then lastly, if you're someone who's a, a, a believer, maybe you want to admit, Lord, these are my battles, these are where I think I could fall on my face, I don't want to. Please, would you help me to keep that promise burning in my heart. And please, will you use this new week in all the battles that I might have in front of me, just to change me a bit more into the likeness of your Son? In, in a minute, just pray quietly and then I'll pray and then you get a chance to ask questions we have a little Q&A session you can say whatever you want because I'll shut up and listen to you like you've been very kind to listen to me but first let's talk to God together well let me pray briefly Father please would your promises fill us with a longing for your future. And would the presence of your spirit keep us following Jesus really closely in order that we might be changed to be a bit more like him? Increase that work in us, we pray, as you live live and live with us and lead us every day. And we pray that for the glory of his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.